everybody. Welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasmine. With me, I have the holiest of holies. I have the Reverend Tracy. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Tim. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. We are here for another review of Big Mouth. We have two more episodes left for this season here. How are you feeling uh, so far about the season? I am actually kind of ready for it to be over because, you know, we've already <laughs> blown through this one time. And it's something that I may try to do differently um, if, if there's a new season. Like, I think what I've learned from this is if there's a newer season or something, I might try to wait and just watch them so it's new for me. Because I think that's what's made this kind of challenging is I kind of knew how it was going to wrap up. And I kind of knew at what point I was going to be a little done with this season. And I feel like I'm done with the season. But, uh, I, I mean, there's still stuff worth covering in this episode and in the next ones. But uh, what about you? How are you feeling about the Big Mouth season so far? Oh, man. Um, how they tell the stories, the fact that Big Mouth is essentially one long story and not a traditional episodic uh, uh, episodic animated, animated show. Um in some ways does it a lot of good because they can explore characters changing over many years on the flip side it can lead to episodes like this um I, i'm not going to say that this is the worst episode so far this season but a lot of this was just felt like spinning wheels covering a lot of the same topics um and a lot of this episode in particular just felt like it dragged it it just did not feel good whatsoever um and also too it was a little bit confusing I mean, normally they had, um, you know, three very concise stories. Um, you know, they don't necessarily all have the same amount of time devoted to them, but it's three stories that they focus on. And this one was more dealing with everybody. And Yeah, I yeah. found that too. I, I couldn't find like a really smooth way to be like, oh, well, these chunk together. I mean, except for LoJ because their entire journey was pretty much together. But you're right. It was very much, it was, Nick is here and Jesse is here and Missy is here. And it was very separated. Yeah. Well, let's start it off here. Um, positives. What well, I mean, overall, I wanted to go into super quick with my love of Halloween. I wanted to love this. Okay. <laughs> so I, I did, I found a lot of positive, like I, I kind of mentioned you before, but ultimately, I just feel like this felt short, fell very short of being a good Halloween episode. It's not good as a standalone, like how The Simpsons have done, which kind of made it a little disappointing for that respect. Um, because if you are going to do a standalone, you'd hope they would do it during like the Valentine special or a Halloween special. This wasn't that. Um, and I mostly felt like it was just a gore flick grab, um, which is personally my least favorite genre of both movies and haunted houses. I've talked about it before. I'm a casting director and I've worked in the haunted industry. I am a haunter. So I I can't emphasize how much I wanted to love this episode. Um, and there were some parts, and I guess I can, I can go ahead and dive into those unless you had any overall thoughts you wanted to share before. Um, no, I, I, I kind of touched on the overall thoughts on this particular episode yeah. here. I mean, again, it's 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 uh, just a lot of spinning wheels. It's, it's nothing really new was really addressed in this episode i mean i i you know it ties into the last episode of the season but you could have done away with the last two episodes of the season and i think it would have been a lot more concise and felt yeah. a lot better because like i know this is technically a negative it didn't make it into my notes because the thought only now rattled into my brain i don't think they're done dealing with these issues and it very much makes you think that they're going to be done dealing with these issues at the end of the episode and i just 
Yeah, so I, I think I'm with you. It, yeah. it was interesting to watch, but ultimately, I think it could have been scrapped. But going yeah. into those positives, so yeah. as we already mentioned, they really, it's super individual, this episode. Um, so I just kind of broke it down in between the different characters, and then, of course, just some notes I had on the haunted house in general. Because <laughs> uh, obviously, I would have opinions there. So, Nick. I love that they brought Duke back right from the get-go. I feel like I've missed him a lot this season, and he's a character that I i don't recall ever having that I'm over it with him. Like, he usually has really great lines. I think it's really funny that they, they picked Duke Ellington for some reason um, to, to haunt and, like, be this character that interacts with the kids. I've always thought that was really funny. Uh, I really love the back and forth between Duke and Rick at the beginning with, like, trying to get Nick hyped up for Halloween. You might Halloween. get laid. Halloween oh, is Christmas for the bad kids. <laughs> yes, I actually put, like, Rick hitting me with a quote that I immediately fell in love with was, Halloween is Christmas for the bad kids. But right before then... <laughs> They go, you might get laid, you might get candy, you might get stabbed. <laughs> and it just takes you back to, like, as you get older and your parents, like, especially I was raised in the whole stranger danger era of stuff, especially down in Texas, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you start getting that fear um, of, of how strangers might treat you because there's a lot of years where you're like, oh, I'm just going to go have candy. And then at some point you just start getting told how horrible people are and how you should be careful. It's usually right about the point where you go alone. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. At, you uh, know? It's, 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 yeah, I mean, I think I kind of mentioned it here. For, oh, yeah, it's like a, with Andrew's mom, because uh, when you first meet up with Andrew in this episode, that's where uh, she kind of touches upon, you know, all the bad stuff that could potentially happen. And, um, you know, one, I liked how Andrew's mom delivered it because, you know, as a parent myself, I've definitely been in that shoes to where you want to protect your kid and let them know of the dangers out there. But by telling them the dangers out there, you are going to make them a little neurotic and scared when, in fact, I believe a lot of those dangers that could potentially happen are rare. You know, could they happen? Sure. Could somebody put a razor blade in an apple? Sure. But... Uh I, you know, but I, I would I would say you know somebody would be able to catch that if you saw that. If I saw like a hole in an apple that somebody gave me, I wouldn't eat the apple. Yeah, know? well, and that was mostly a myth. I, I actually had a really cool talk about that with uh, another casting director for a different haunt. It was the one that I worked with. Um, for the haunted drive-in that I wound up doing in September. Mm-hmm. And he was saying a lot of that was just fear-mongering myth uh, oh, to try yeah. to shut down some of the Halloween stuff. But yeah, like, but I, I definitely recall. And then, uh, like, a lot of the Stranger Danger, and I think this is actually a note I have a little bit lower because, you know, it was more into Andrew's stuff. But it's, statistically speaking, strangers aren't really taking a lot of kids. It's, like, usually a family member or somebody that's known by the family. And you can – please feel free to go look up those statistics. I'm not here to teach on that today. But, like, it was kind of funny just to see, like, that element – of stranger danger being brought in. They didn't call it that, but that's kind of what was, was happening. Yeah. Um, I like that Nick kind of had a moment of honesty. Like you kind of, you're starting to see uh, behind the whole narcissistic shell that he seems to be building for himself. You know, he was hurt by being rejected, but is only seeing how he was a victim instead of owning and acknowledging that Jesse had her own feelings in that situation and had her own reaction to it. Um, and I know that's something we talked about, 
in our regular episode, which is totally separate from this. But a month know, ago, a <laughs> month ago, wink, wink. Um, unless you're Patreon people who listen to both, in which case you're my favorite fans. Um, just kidding. I love you all. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, just seeing that play out, and I'm not sure if a lot of people caught that that's what he was doing, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people want to paint Nick as being an asshole, even though he's just a child. Like, this is kind of how you can see some of that stuff building up, right? Because I don't think he was lying about his feelings. I think he was hurt. He was feeling very emotional. He was nervous going to even see Jesse. And, and that's the thing, too. I mean, how many of us have been in Nick's shoes? I, in, in, this particular, in this particular instance, I mean, I brought this up, too, uh, about uh, Nick being upset at Jesse's reaction. I mean, I have been in those shoes plenty of times. And then, you know, six months down the line, you know, a couple years down the line, taking the time to, you know, go back and look at a more objective view of the thing, realizing that, you know, it wasn't the way I saw it at all. I was the one that was... Re- wrong you know and i think even though it was uncomfortable to watch even though you felt like nick come on even though you felt that way that's what they want they want you to care for that character because when a character makes mistakes like that if they're doing their job properly you're going to want to urge that protagonist to change yes and also maybe even feel a bit of empathy because it goes back to wow i felt that way before um but yeah (laughs) But the last, just two other little positive things on Nick. Um, I, I really dug that one part where Nick just, you know, kind of blows off Duke and Rick and says, fuck Halloween, fuck everybody. And Angzito cheering him on saying, that's the spirit. <laughs> and you can kind of see, like, where... And it goes back into the my, my own personal opinion of I wish we'd stop treating everybody like they're assholes because maybe a lot of it is just unresolved, like, maybe anxiety or other issues that they're not dealing with. Um, So I I kind of like that they're making it obvious that the one cheering on the fuck everybody attitude is his anxiety. It is not him. And then uh, the only last note I had, I mostly hated his entire haunted house trip, except that it called it out about him building a wall, protect yourself and the symbolic reveal of how he really should be protecting himself from himself. And that, that to me, redeemed the entirety of him supposedly tripping out, I guess, on ashwagandha. They kind of, like, imply near the end that it was an ashwagandha trip or something like that, which is, it's a new thing. I, I don't know too much about it. I, I know that there's people um, studying it for possibly, like, PTSD and anxiety. But it does, it can make you trip out. Uh, I know that much about it. So um, maybe that's what they did. I don't know. But that was the only part of his trip out in the haunted house that I even remotely liked. Uh, The only thing I really liked is that scene where the clown is hunting him in the showers. To me, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I think that I, 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 in my opinion, I believe it was an intentional callback to Nick being scared in the shower um, earlier in the season at camp. You know, and the fact that, you know, he was able to overcome that because he overcome that earlier in this particular for that particular scene, he was able to, um, you know, get the clown out of the way before he encountered his future self. 
Exactly. And I actually, I had noticed that too. And I felt like the layout was a little similar. There was part of me that wanted to be a nerd, like go back to the episode Mm -hmm. and like see if it was actually just a disheveled version of that same locker room. Um, Because that to me would solidify that that's what they were going for. But I didn't quite have time to do that. And I was like, that might be a little too deep for what we go into. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mm -hmm. that is supposed to represent um, from his summer camp experience. Um. But the next I've got Jesse. Nice. Uh, starting off with Jesse and therapy. I loved a lot of what the therapist was saying, but you can feel the shift in Jesse when she says, when I'm feeling this way, I practice my gratitude. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I felt it was so accurate. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll get to some of this, but it, I, I love that the therapist didn't exactly do anything wrong, I don't think, because it wasn't untrue mm-hmm. what she said. It was not untrue what she said. She might be guilty of misreading it, and especially she kind of almost kept up this kind of false positivity, but that, that's more into my negatives. But what she said about practicing gratitude, it being a practice, all the things that felt really corny and hammy to Jesse weren't untrue. Just it, it just goes to show you have to accept that yourself because I think Depression Kitty making the gagging motion, as you could see Jesse rejecting it, was awesome because that yeah. is totally that defensiveness like i don't want to change <laughs> did you notice that depression kitty in this episode was bigger yeah she's depression, getting bigger she is definitely getting bigger and i i like that little bit and also too about the um office uh the the jesse's therapist loved toads if uh you're in the in the in the episode if you look right behind the therapist as she's talking hypno toad is on the shelf Hypnotoad? Hypnotoad. It is a Oh man, that's a good nerd call out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was cool to see that. Now the therapist, um, you know, I I guess we'll go into that deeper uh, in the negative side because I you know, well yeah, I just didn't like how she said that, but I'll go into why yeah. uh, when we speak on negative. Uh, yep, and that's why it's like what she said was not incorrect. I will go into other opinions later, but yeah, like I actually kind of loved how, like, and I'm wondering if that was almost a hyperbole Mm -hmm. um, for Jesse, because you also, and there's some, uh, you know what? I'm going to save that for the bad because I think that's going to dip a little bit too far into that. And I want to stay on the positives here. But, um, so even my next note, while the therapist didn't entirely thrill me, I loved seeing badminton come back for a wee little cameo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and Steve I thought it was really funny it's like you're like me now and and how you can get in your head that seeing a therapist is bad which is something you definitely see play out in her little haunted house trip um where she's identifying herself as being crazy and not seeming to deal with that very well so I think like overall um they dealt with that topic kind of well I like the symbolism like even through her haunted house trip that she's feeling identified like I can't even shake your hand because I'm bound up like you, you can't even do a simple thing because you feel bound up by these labels that you're now having placed on you. And especially because, oh, my God, I'm in therapy. Like the end of the last episode brought that up. Like, oh, they're going to take you to therapist, you know? Yeah. Um, you almost I did, had the voice. <laughs> oh, God. I I like seeing Jessie closer to old, her older self. Like dressing up as Ruth Bader Ginsburg is such a thing I would have seen old Jessie do. Um, so it was cool to see that, like, as as she kind of gets back to being around, like, her friends and being, like, trying to separate from 
probably what was a somewhat traumatic experience of the city and going to school and dealing with that and the deal with Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah, Like (laughs) it it was, I I like it. it, It's nice to see like them seeming to represent her finding kind of that sense of self that she had before. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, 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 did like that she did seem a little bit happier when she was interacting with her friends. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess the episode for what it is, they couldn't really give time, you know, enough time to anybody because they were focusing on so many things here. And yeah. that, that's, that's part, that's part of, I mean, I guess we can go more into that too in the negative side, but it's just like when you do see something good in this episode, you feel bad because the good could have been expanded upon a lot of times when instead of going for some of the easy or, or the easy or the gore, you know, that they went through. Yeah, I think like Jesse and Missy were the only two that I really kind of liked their coverage. Like, I think they actually did pretty well with those. But the others I just felt were <laughs> choppy. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get into that. But the last little bits I have on Jesse. I really liked uh, Gratitude being voiced by Zach Galifianakis because he's doing that silly voice that he does when he's playing this really soft character, y'all. And I love that voice. And he even, like, calls it, because Zach Galifianakis is kind of, like, a silly person. Like, I don't follow him super personally, but every now and then he's come up. And he's, that's just how he is. And his character even got to say, it feels nice just to be silly, doesn't it? And, uh... (laughs) I gratitude practice is really hard and um, I kind of really like how Jesse worked it out with gratitude. It definitely seemed to go better than the therapist telling her to do it. And then you realize like, especially, you know, like I said, they mentioned at the end, this is ashwagandha trip. This is something that they're using to deal with like people with depression and anxiety issues so that they can go inward and do this kind of work. So I kind of like that they snuck that in there. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to Gratitude being a reoccurring character. I don't know. Zach Galifianakis is kind of still a bigger person. I know he's like kind of free since Baskets got canceled. But yeah. um, <laughs> well, like maybe. Uh, well, look at some of the people they've gotten on the show, though. I mean, like Mona, um, Missy's uh, hormone monster, Sandy Newton. And, um, you know, I, I know she's big in England. She's done some uh, big work in America as well. I believe she was in one of the Mission Impossible movies. Um, been in a lot. So, I mean, they have big stars on that show. And, of course, you know, like John Mulaney. Um, I, you know, I hope he's out of rehab. Last I heard, he went into rehab. Oh, I didn't hear that. That makes sense, though. I know he's he talks in his stand-up that he struggled um, uh, with. He doesn't drink anymore. He's got some good bits that uh, deflect that with humor, mm-hmm. obviously. But, oh, man, that's a bummer. That makes me want to – I guess I'll look him up. I'll, I'll break my rule and get nosy. But <laughs> that being car, said, yeah. we do have a lot of comedians in this show. And as we know, comedians tend to really love to collaborate. So that's where I said, like, I really wouldn't be surprised or opposed to this being a reoccurring character because gratitude practice is a practice and think about it too for animation all they would really have to i mean their gratitude is not going to be if they do bring him back it's not going to be a character that's going to be a a comparable to a nick or an andrew he's going to be there for a couple of episodes i know you mentioned the duke ellington thing i mean during the season four uh of uh 
Big Mouth, uh, when they were making that, I think that was right around the time um, where they were in production for um, season two of The Twilight Zone on CBS All Access, which is now Paramount Plus, which uh, Jordan Peele was uh, the host of and the producer of. And I know he also had a, what was that movie that he did, Us? That was a couple of years back as well. So Jordan Peele is very much busy, but what they commonly do for animated shows like this is, you know, they will like give him all the scripts that his character is going to be in. They will schedule like one or two days in a studio. He reads through it all. He's done this you know they can bring bigger names back so zach galifianakis it would be a shock if they i mean i think he's back in the next episode anyway so he would be he will be back in some way shape or form yes i i i, was, I love it i i love the freaking manifestations they've made so far for like almost all of of the emotions and the mental health issues that kids deal with uh and i like seeing like a positive one mm-hmm. so I I would be super welcome to a a positive because I don't think we really have any positives. You know, we've gotten what Shame Wizard, we've gotten the 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 witch, whatever that was for um, the mom going through menopause, the banshee, the menopause banshee. Like, well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I can't think of any others. Like even as a cameo one that have been super positive. I mean, even the hormone monsters. I mean, they have their quirks. Their pop. You, you know, the things we like about them as characters, but they're not positive. <laughs> right. They're chaotic neutral. They're totally, mm-hmm. like, chaotic neutral characters, I think. Like, because they kind of, like, wash out. Like, they'll have moments of being genius and awesome. Like, Connie saying to Depression Kitty and Exito, get the fuck out of here. These parents are getting their shit together. But then, you know, she's also, like, encouraged her to yell at her own mother. So, like, there's a little bit of a mix of how healthy. But that's hormones for you. Like, that's exactly what they're supposed to represent. And that's where it's, like been my favorite thing about this show is how they've managed to bring life to these kind of invisible concepts that we try to understand um that was all i had for jesse uh next i've got missy all right um struggling with a costume that quote isn't too sexy or too dorky that is something i remember going through uh they're obviously going through that age where they're starting to go out on their own they're getting away from the kitty trick-or-treating they're going to a haunted house um, I recall I didn't always make the best decisions uh, some of my costumes in hindsight. Um, there was one incident particularly where I'm like, yeah, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure I was acting out big way. I don't know why anybody didn't call that one out. Like when you show up to a church uh, dressed up as a prostitute. I don't know. <laughs> I love that my mom didn't stop that. Like FY, the side note, like nobody stopped me from doing that. And that totally happened like in middle school. And they let me go to this church harvest festival like this. For three years in a row. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 just one. Just one. <laughs> but, my God. Anyway, like, wow. Um, like, looking back, it's just kind of funny now. But back then, like, somebody should have been mortified and maybe talked to my parents. But nobody did. Uh, no. All you had to say, all you had to say was, come on, I'm Mary Magdalene. Come on. You know, in you know, fishnets. <laughs> Mary Magdalene in fishnets. Well, I mean, look, look at her guy, Jesus. He was a fisherman. <laughs> oh, <Good over> man. <laughs> I just borrowed these nets <laughs> from my from my babers. Hey, babers, Jesus. <laughs> so while I didn't really appreciate too much of the story from the kids supposedly being drugged into tripping out at the haunted house, I did really like Missy's Hall of Mirrors as she struggled with her identity mm-hmm. um, because she's somebody that I actually feel like is kind of figuring it out. 
And and Jesse, at least she's in therapy. And I think maybe that's why I liked these two in, in this episode the most, because they had already seemed to be on a path of figuring it out, whereas the other ones seemed to kind of really wax and wane. So I'm curious to see if this solves problems for them. Yeah, uh, when it comes to Missy in the Hall of Mirrors thing, I did take note that, you know, um, her being the most emotionally stable of all the kids, it was no surprise that she was the first one to kind of get herself out of this dream. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm glad you brought up the earlier part of the episode with her as well, because when she's reflecting on Halloween and, you know, going as herself, I really loved how sad she got. But that sadness was also kind of mixed with kind of happiness at what the future held as well. I mean, everybody remembers as kids when you are do when you are contemplating doing something you've always done, but then you get told you're too old to do that anymore. Kind of a sucky feeling, but also kind of a cool feeling as well because you're not a kid anymore. Ooh, you know, and I, she captured that perfectly. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't check for the next episode to see um, if, she, if uh, Jenny Slate still has one more episode left um, or if uh, the replacement is taking over as Missy in the next episode. I didn't check out yet. If, if, if the new person doesn't take over next episode, it'll definitely be next season, of course, but um, just Jenny Slate knocked it out of the park. If there's, an MVP of this episode it's her oh yeah and I just I really love Missy's character I feel like I really resonate with her lately um one little side note though I absolutely loved the evil Missy fake out that the real bad guy was the cute little innocent high-pitched pajamas or not the pajamas um the the, the overalls yeah. the overalls yeah her overalls like <laughs> and I'm sorry the, the whole overall stabbing evil Missy through the throat while she's talking, and then that that weird glaze. Ugh. Like, I, I had respect for how, like, creeped out that made me. Right. Um, for it being a cartoon. Because usually they don't get me with those little subtle things like the eyes going blank. But, oof, they, they did really well with that scene. Um, because that honestly creeped me out just a little bit. And what I like best, I don't know if you're going to touch on it, with Missy is the very end where the puzzle pieces where she put the all little pieces together of, of her yep. persona into what she wanted to be, I guess. Not yes, I love that. I'm actually getting goosebumps again because I loved that part like when I watched it earlier. And I just said, uh, I really feel Missy resonating with me lately. Um, I loved her attitude as her versions of self-mirrors were shattering. And she said, it's kind of like a puzzle. And a puzzle is just a picture you haven't seen yet. Um, that can very much be what it feels like when you feel lost with who you are. And you're trying to decide, well, what pieces do you keep? What pieces do you get rid of? And then you end up with Mosaic Missy. And I really loved that. Like, because that's a, it's spoken to a lot of my personal journey, especially for any of those that listen to, like, the regular cast as well. I'm pretty open about stuff with that respect, I think. I, I think I kind of live that out loud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're trying to decide, like, what parts do you keep? Because past versions of me may not have all been great, like every part not so great. But that doesn't mean there's not keepable parts of that. So I really loved watching her put that together and create Mosaic Missy. Right. And the whole thing of realizing you can love yourself with all of those good parts that you decided to keep. Um, and that being what broke her out of it. And yeah, right with you, I was not surprised at all that she was the first one to figure it out. But again, it almost makes you drill into the homes 
Like, I know her dad's a little weird about the beat bra, but she seems to really have, like, other than, in, like, the, the race issue, which they've already kind of, like, brought that up and sort of talked about it. But for the yeah. most part, she has really supportive and open parents versus Nick's, like, overly open. And then Andrew's, like, really closed, don't talk about anything. I almost think that's the closest to, like, that middle the median, spot. Yeah. yeah, like, it's, yeah. So... To me, it honestly makes sense that she's the one that would have grown easier, like had an easier time to find ways to manage and talk about those emotions. Look at how aware she is of how sugar makes her hyper. I mean, they obviously have conversations like that in their house. And that's where I'm like, yeah, see, you can talk to kids about stuff and maybe you can, you know, not not the fear stuff. Like, don't tell them about all the death, but maybe help them figure out processing emotions. Yeah. Um. So, anywho, I love just watching that play out with her. But that's all of the positives I have on Missy before I go into Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, um, I don't know if I mentioned it here or um, our, our first recording, but I did like the, oh, fudge, Judy, I did not see that one coming. Uh, you know, yeah, when she doesn't deliver many one-liners I've noticed in the show, but when she does, they're always on point good. Yes, I know. I love her jokes because she does the switch up like she doesn't really cuss much. And I like that she still doesn't. And I think that may be something like I almost wanted to go back and be like, which mouth did she keep? Because but I don't know how deep they would really go into that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually kind of like that she didn't feel pressure to like cuss and, and be just like her friends. And I don't think her parents necessarily shame her more or less than any other parent would for a child cussing. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of like, I would like her to go back that way, I guess, um, because I felt like it made her different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It, I, I can appreciate some people's choice to be clean of language, even though obviously I didn't fucking make that decision. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I cuss all the time. We had a struggle in between re- recording our episodes with me think of non-potty words to say. <laughs> so, Case in point, it's not for everybody, but I, I liked that in her character, and I appreciate a good, innocent character that can be good and land good jokes and doesn't need to cuss. Uh, but when she does, like, uh, what are you, code switching for pussy? Boom, oh, mic drop. That's, yes. that's that's the brilliance of, you know, t- throwing in one, and I wish more com- comedians would take note of that. Not not necessarily go all clean, but there are some that, you know, are for the most part all dirty. And that just kind of, it's like in wrestling, if you have uh, like cage match after cage match after cage match on like one card of wrestling that you're watching, you're going to get desensitized to what's supposed to be an epic encounter. It's going to be everyday normal. Whereas if you have all regular matches and then the last one's a cage match, you're going to get into that, you know, similar to uh, the swearing deal with Missy. So, yeah, but Missy really, I, I liked her. I don't even think I had any negative. I'll, I'll probably go down there and there'll be nothing <laughs> negative under Missy because I really didn't pay attention, but I, I liked her story. I think it was one of the few successes of this episode. Yeah. But, uh, so next up is Andrew, his mom reminding him right before going out that Halloween is statistically the most dangerous night of the year. <laughs> I liked the almost immediate continuation of Andrew's newly taught anxiety around death, because if you guys didn't catch that, his parent taught him to be anxious about something, but nobody has taught him how to deal with the anxiety he is feeling about it. And so putting that together, just, I I think this really like nailed that in. 
Yeah. Like that's kind of what's going on with Andrew is he is being not intentionally taught. Like, I don't think she's trying to abuse him or trying to manipulate him. I think she legitimately is trying to be a good parent. Um, I can relate to the whole stranger danger time. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, I don't think that stranger danger came from a place of evil or trying to control anybody. I think it came from a genuine spot, but that doesn't make it not in a way harmful. Now, did you notice how uh, when when Andrew and his anxiety at the beginning, when he when they were all there signing the consent forms to go into the sorority house, how just the act of signing those con- consent forms kind of caused his anxiety to ratchet up? Yes. I love that. I mean, because I've, I've lived that on multiple, multiple occasions, sadly, but just something as simple like. Uh, you know, I, I said in the uh, first recording that we did for uh, for the show that, you know, I was going back to school. And, you know, during that whole process, there was a time to where I was not able to log into the school website. And, you know, a quick phone call to the, uh, you know, school's tech support would have got me in. And, you know, ultimately, when I did make that phone call, it was over in like five minutes. But... I spent a good two weeks trying to get the courage to do, make that call just because of the anxiety. And I'm not being facetious here. I'm not being hyperbolic. It was two weeks. And, you know, not, yeah, anxiety can be a bitch. And, you know, Andrew, how he how he kind of dealt with it, I, I, I've been there plenty yeah. of times. But as, as a haunted house worker, side note to that one, that's actually a really good trip out for people. Um Somebody was telling me once that, like, the worst time they ever had at a haunted house and they're normally not phased by it was mm-hmm. only because there were signs outside warning that there were items that may cause an unintentional but extremely low voltage shock. And apparently he really hates the idea of being shocked. And even though it never happened, it was not based on any level of truth, it fucked with him the entire time. <laughs> so... I don't know if maybe that's what they were going for. Um, that's that's something that's noted in the negative, though, um, as far as this whole having kids sign a waiver and that that's not legally a thing anyway. But yeah, yeah. That, that's too much negative. So I, I can finish up Andrew's positive with like three really funny quotes I thought that they had in his story. Um, <laughs> with my fat can, I'm a major pedophile bait. <laughs> Oh, my God, that made me laugh out loud. I don't always feel like his little pedophile jokes land with me, but that one was really funny. Um, I loved during the haunted house, his ashwagandha trip. Like I said, that seems to be what they implied was going on. Um, When Marty, his dad, goes, who would drug you? That's a waste of a roofie. (laughs) And then uh, the the last one I had was Andrew when he was buried alive. He goes, I've been buried alive. Hey, grave diggers, I'm supposed to be buried dead. (laughs) Oh, what about the one on uh, the plane where... Oh, no, no, no. It, it was him on the motorcycle essentially recreating a scene from John Wick. And he was like, oh, God, I shouldn't have fucked with the Yakuza. <laughs> that was just like a random one that I I felt would have been lost. Like, it was, it's just, I don't know. To me, it didn't make me chuckle too much. It did make me laugh. Uh, like, I felt like I was missing an inside joke. Does that make sense? Yeah. but Even though I don't think I was. I think it was just a ridiculous thing he was saying. But I don't know why. Just that one didn't hit me as hard as the other ones. But it did. I, mean, I, I remember that one. 
Yeah, I mean, if uh, I mean one, if you're a fan of John Wick, if you're familiar with that series or a fan of action movies, I guess you'd be able to get it. But if you've not seen those movies, then you know it just he, he's being chased by the yakuza now. What? <laughs> Which is funny because I've totally seen like all of the John Wicks, and I actually kind of like those movies. So oh, <laughs> it's funny that it's still shot right over my head. <laughs> yeah, and Andrew at the end was what was it? Him in the casket where he just decided to yo- yodel his doidle. <laughs> that was under the. Uh, that's no. I that to me was just part of the dumb. Like I don't even think I. I yeah. Bring it up in the negatives. I was just gonna let that one slide. That okay. I get it. He's still obsessed with masturbating. I just need to let it go that that's part of his character and like maybe to stop flying him for it. But yeah, the the inappropriate masturbation is something that I think should totally be looked at. Like by a like therapist like well, i don't I mean, think jesse is the only one that should be speaking to a therapist at this point yeah i mean i mean he definitely does don't get me wrong i mean it, but you know having said that could it be something to calm somebody down sure it just shouldn't be your go-to you know that's yeah. like that's like the, one of those you know in case of in case of emergency break glass situations um but you know again at the end of the day it got him calmed down and i guess that got him out of uh the illusions Exactly. I've, I think I guess imagining masturbating snapped him out of it. <laughs> with, with a family member. I don't know. <laughs> but next I've got Matt. I did pull some positives out of here because I think ultimately I do root for Matt to become a better person. Um, I did love Maury's definition of ghosting. When you give a hand job and it's from under the bed. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> or what about what about Ugh, I can't believe you passed up Aiden's sweet teen touch for those for these bummer broads. You know? <laughs> right, I thought that was pretty funny too. I yeah. also liked watching Maury and Mona uh, directly interact. I'm, th- I think this is for the first time. Def- I took a note, like if that was a question for me, if it was the first time. But as, as the episode went on, it very clearly is the first time he's interacting with Mona. But mm-hmm. I love that. What language are you speaking? You're beautiful. And, he's, <laughs> and Mona goes, English, you fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, where do they have that note about him? Um, do, 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 do. No, there was something that Maury said. I just about, forgot. Where was it I... about learning to speak the language? No, it okay, was... Okay, so that one almost made my list. Like, if you're going to work in America, you got to learn how to speak the language, but she is... No, no, I got it, I got it. <laughs> I, I love I love the line here. I, I, I accidentally put it in the negative side. But when Maury turns to Mona and goes, you're going to be bad for me, but I know I can't get enough of you. <laughs> yes. I think I accidentally noted that down, like, in my haunted house positives. But I did. I, I liked that. Like, yep. Like, oh, my God. you're. I, I love those two interacting. I'm sure we're going to have more fun with that. Yeah. Um, And I'm curious to see how that plays out. So, but I thought it was interesting that, there's no jealousy with Connie. Like it, I actually kind of tried to pay attention to that to see if there is, but nah, they're just their hormone monsters. I don't think they really have like a, a monogamy implied monogamy contract between them. So fucking is how they shake hands. <laughs> hormones aren't people. Like, yeah. so yeah, I, I loved the old mean queen coming back to be the devil and the too tight leotard. I'm not chubby. I'm prosperous. <laughs> And I, I did love Matt being able to calmly rationalize, like, in the end, you know, that what he was seeing in his in the haunted house couldn't possibly be happening. And you honestly seem he, – like, he, he used logic checking, which is something that you're actually taught, like, in some, in some uh, ways of counseling. Um, I was taught that. 
and cognitive behavioral therapy stuff that I've done before of logic checking when you're going into a spiral. And mm -hmm. he did that really quick, which to me shows a maturity that I think is there. We've seen it in brief moments, but ah, he, I just, I'm still worried he's going to go right back to, to mean queening it. And I, I don't want to see that. I want to see him grow this time. And I, I, it was, I liked seeing that struggle being represented of how some people feel like they have to choose their family and their family's values and them and their own values. And that was probably the best part of, of the haunted house was having that physical representation. I didn't like how they went gory. I, I did like that Matthew dissected that pretty quick with a logic check of like, wait a second, why are they, you just had your knees cut off. Why are you talking about that? And then like Aiden, Oh, there goes my cum gutters. Yeah. I mean, the Matthew thing, I, I had to put that in the negative, but I also made a notation, and I'll go into specifically why when we go into that, but I did make the notation, too, that this may be something that, you know, at once the show is finally complete and the entire story is told, that this may be the moment to where he finally kind of breaks away from that shitty asshole guy. So, yeah. um, but again, I got more to say on that. It's just more on, on the negative side. So, Gotcha. Well, my positives, I actually have some on LoJ. They're super brief, <laughs> but they're super good. <laughs> I actually really love the Bonnie and Clyde costume. <laughs> I that thought was that nice. was really great. And like their unveil of it, of like, greatest couple costume ever. <laughs> like <laughs> shooting the paintball guns. Um, I also really love that moment when they decided to break in together. And uh, Jay says, shall we shimmy, Bonnie? And and uh, uh, Lola goes, Clyde, I was born to wiggle. Like, as much as they make me gag sometimes, they actually have a really sweet and a really good relationship. Like, gross, but they've yeah. got their moments. And they, they had a couple of really shining moments for me here. Um, and then the next I just have, like, general, I don't know if you want to go off in any positives about Lola and Lojay, oh, yeah. as I put on here. Lojay, yes. Lo -Jay. Um, one, I'm really loving Lola lately because especially this season, it seems like her self-confidence has definitely uh, picked up a lot, which is making her kind of different in a, in, a, in, a, in, in, in a good way. Like, I, I want to know the confident Lola. Um, yeah. Believe it or not, I, I do like that. I loved her line when um, she uh, brought <laughs> Jay into the house. Land! Hoist my boy toy. <laughs> Just how we said that. And then when the college person catches them, you know, coming in, Jay goes, we're Lola. And Lola goes, and Jay, you saggy ass 20 year old. <laughs> yes. Lola has her moments. And you know what? It's really, it shouldn't be surprising that we would see self-confidence go up because if you think about it, like when you're constantly around a negative message, it's going to have an effect on you whether you agree with it or not, right? Um, that's part of how, like, the whole concept of gaslighting works. Like, that's how it's used for evil. So when you think about, like, all of the stuff that Devin constantly said to her, and Devin basically said, you have to choose Jay or me. So it's been implied that they are not friends anymore. So yeah. it really wouldn't surprise me at all that her confidence, because look at what she's gone from going from to being around. Like, Devin constantly cutting her down, making fun of her, you know all that stuff and then you've got jay who's calling her my queen and and like just loving on her in a very nice way that it doesn't seem like she gets anywhere else now what did you think about the diner scene 
Oh God, what was the diner scene? Refresh me. At the end where Jay uh, tells Lola he loves her. Oh yeah, that wound up in an oofy negative spot. Oof. Like, I mean, not negative because it was bad, because I guess technically it could have easily been thrown in as a positive. I think it just wound up in that negative because of that initial gut reaction of like, oh, that hurts. And I understand, though, at the same time. So actually, yeah. you know what? I'm going to, if we're talking about it, I may as well talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's just big oof moment. Jay saying that he loved Lola and her not being at a point to say it back and then him feeling like embarrassed and not knowing how to deal with it. Granted, yeah, that maybe could be like a positive thing to be said because that that happens, man. And it really stinks uh, to see it. I, I know it's happened to me before where I've taken it really personally, but really when you, you get older, maybe a lot of people can learn to dissect that is that's not actually saying anything about me. Um, that's working on them. Yeah. Well, like that, that's... that's their issue with that term and they, they've got to be comfortable saying it. Uh, true and the logical side of the brain will say that you know till the cows come home but you know when you're emotional and you're in the spot that jay's in and you say that oh that was gut-wrenching and also too for lola's end i you know on on the one hand i I think back to the previous episode and her reaction to andrew giving him the dirty look like that maybe there's a hint there that you know that she may like jay a lot but there was never really any love there. But even though, the, you know, that kind of gets contradicted in the next episode. What I think, though, is that, you know, she's had so much time being treated like absolute dirt by her parents, by, you know, her friend Devin and all that, that I don't know if she trusted it. And I think it was just like, it, it you know, it could, you know, he couldn't have said that to me. So I'm just going to ignore it. It couldn't have been about me. Why would why would he think that about me? And that was just incredibly sad. And and, yes. and 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 to your point, you don't feel good coming out of it, but the reason I would consider that a negative is because it, it showed a lot about these characters. You're, they were able to grow. Something new happened. It was important to the story. Very, very much a positive. Yeah. Um, and again, just you got to hit it with it can be a positive because of the realism of that whole situation and the relatability. And it even happened, like, that's something that is realistic to happen at that age. Because, yeah, we, we've we already discussed that Lola seems to be in a neglect situation. She probably struggles with the concept. Um, I, I've been taught called emotional homelessness. Uh, and that can kind of leave you with a feeling that the foot's going to drop and that person's going to leave. We don't know the story with her dad. Um, we've never seen the mom. Like we, we've addressed that a few times how we haven't seen the mom. So she even made a, she even made a comment at the beginning of the episode of being locked out of her home or something like that. She couldn't, she had to stay there with Jay because she couldn't go back home because her parents locked her out. I mean, what parent does that? Oh (laughs) yeah. So obviously that's going to land more in my negatives, but um, the last bit I have to talk about positive wise is some of the things at the haunted house that just, I didn't feel like really fit under any one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the Jay quoting the review cause <laughs> I don't know. I go, I go into this a little bit more later. Um, calling it is how I was seeing it because the whole idea was that there was a murder at this house like the year before I, I did love Jay calling it out by quoting uh, the review that it was a tasteless cash grab and a slap in the face to the victim's families. <laughs> um, <but laughs> well, that's the way to go. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it is. And, and I, again, I'll, I'll get that a little bit more in the negative. You'll get some of the uh, the haunter 
director perspective community. This on, is like, not how, how we do it. <laughs> yeah, how how you would deal with a sensitive situation. This is not it. Um, Connie in the beginning saying to Rick that she needed to talk about the Nick situation. Um, that's dead on, and even it was dead on how quickly it was cast away. So, like, it was, yeah, we should talk about it, right? Like, when, when there's an issue that happens in a blow-up, if you want to save that friendship, and if that friendship is worth keeping, you should talk about it. But what often happens is we talk ourselves into not talking about it, and then that friendship continues to, like, disintegrate. Um, yeah. Whether or not you've actively decided it's just not worth it, or you anxiety. are just, or anxiety, like, um, it ends friendships, so. Uh. I mean, we've discussed it on the show before. I know when we had our dust up, a lot of uh, a lot of the issue on my end was just anxiety in terms of not wanting to confront a situation to deal with those things. Like I, I remember one time, like I saw you coming in my direction one time, walking outside, and I walked the other way. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, yeah. yeah, we used to work downtown, and our buildings were really close to each other, and I would often walk and go play Ingress. <laughs> yeah, you look I'm up. I'm sorry, and your store is a portal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, so just totally relatable. Um, I, I thought Rick had a really, really great quote. Um, they were going back and forth when they were confused about who Nick's hormone monster was. Mm -hmm. And I love that Connie, whenever she said, you know, Rick, you're his hormone monster. And he goes, oh, Connie, my dear, I am a hot dog. <laughs> there, was just, there was something about how he said that that I just absolutely loved it as a Rick line. Um, there we go. That This was uh, another one with a Mona moment of, so the hormone monsters are in the haunted house. And they're talking about the haunted house being lame. And Mona said that she thought it would be like an escape room and goes on to explain what she is thinking is an escape room. <laughs> yeah, and Connie points out that she's actually described an intervention. And Mona says, well, I escaped is like the, <laughs> the best. Like, that was a great little lead up to a quick joke. And that's I thought where that Maury, was awesome. And that's where Maury came up with, with that line that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, who are you? I know you're going to be bad for me, but I can't get enough of you. Like, I guess yeah. Maury's in love. <laughs> um yeah and then that's that's all i've got with the positives is very short-lived for the haunted house and some of the other ones like i said missy was kind of the winner um yeah. of this one missy and jesse i think were the big leaps very much so um the yeah let's get into the negatives because i you know anything i have to say beyond this relates to my uh comments on the negatives so negatives nick what negatives uh, did you have with them as much as I hated to watch what happened to Nick, it ultimately really seemed appropriate that he'd be the one who just didn't enjoy the ayahuasca, whatever. I, I, it's not ashwagandha. Sorry, that's a totally different herb. Um, ayahuasca is actually, I think, what, what the name of it is. Um, that he didn't do so well in his trip. Um, I guess part of that, the light bit of reading I have done on ayahuasca or however it is it said if anybody wants to like give me a fucking like how to say it thing i'll probably look it up after the show because it's gonna drive me nuts um because that's what was in the slut juice i guess <laughs> but it some of the stuff that i've read about it is if you're not in a good headspace like with many things right. that can make you really reflect inward you have to be in a good headspace nick has not been in one for a long time um so that's really the only negative was that I hated to see it happen. Uh, but it was honestly a really good 
visual representation like when when you get tricked that you think the game is over and then you end up stabbing yourself in the back because you think you're done working on it and you're not that was really interesting to watch and then of course it degraded into him storming off and not wanting to talk to anybody and then of course this all this escalates in the next episodes so yeah i mean at, at this point i was wondering what parent would allow their kids to go to this party i mean um i mean the slut juice thing having it having it happen at a sorority house i mean they didn't they didn't give any indication whether it was a you know a haunt uh like you work at that they called a sorority house or if it was actually a sorority house that was having a party they didn't have an explanation there uh i thought they mentioned it was like for some it was like fundraiser thingy but it was super brief i think it was yeah. like the actual members of them like trying to do something like i don't think it was supposed to be a professional haunt but it was supposed to be a haunt not a party okay i it I, I, that was just confusing and and then uh, uh, you know the drugs i mean were were the drugs and teenage kids necessary i mean it's it's a cartoon and you know i you know maybe it shouldn't be one of those you know soft liberal types i guess but <laughs> you know um kids and this type of drugs just uh it, you know it, it should make people uncomfortable i'm sure there are people out there that may support um you know kids having this type of treatment with like mushrooms or something like that and that's a different story for a different day um yeah. but you know it just I, nothing about this as a parent myself seemed right i you know a, a parent would be like making phone calls you know, to the other parents, you know, who's going to be there? Are you going to watch your kids? Here's my contact number, stuff like that. And none of this. Yeah, it seemed pretty irresponsible, honestly. Uh, and then, because I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip to my negatives on the haunted house then, since we just kind of brought it up. All right. Um, I really ultimately didn't like the haunted house. Uh, I don't get why they were treating the patrons like they were in a sorority. But then again, being in a haunted house industry, no one in their right mind would do a theme like this so close to a tragedy happening. Uh, just to give like a real life example, there's been a lot of chatter in the groups that I'm in because we have like closed groups on Facebook where we all share like ideas and stuff. And many haunts have already like completely kiboshed like doing anything medical, anything disease related, anything to do with doctors, nothing for at least like a few years. Like, they want to give it some breathing room because too soon. Um, and, and that made me question why the parents, like, not only would I be checking into a haunted house to send my, my young teens to if I had young teens, um, if I learned that it was at a house where a murder happened a year ago, I'm probably going to say no to that. Now, did they mention in the episode that the murder that they talked about was an actual murder? Or was it was it like the type of stories you hear, like, this house has been haunted for ages? It's a callback to the ponytail killer. Lola made it mm. obvious when it was there, they were missing their ponytails and their faces were cut off, I think was the joke that she had made about it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it seemed to be a callback to the ponytail killer from the last season. Because okay. they thought it was Steve for those that kind of oh, that's forget right, that's about right. that storyline. Yeah, it was it was brief and kind of dumb, but uh, yeah, the ponytail killer was what this was a, th a throwback to. They didn't straight call it that, but that seemed to be what was being implied. With well, they did say. I mean, they did. I think they did say ponytail killer at some point. I, I just didn't Maybe. put two two together. So. Yeah, um, but that was like the whole haunted house was just one of those things where, again, this season I felt like they brought me out of the illusion of this being realistic to happen to kids because it goes into 
who the fuck is going to drug kids? And then you can, you can kind of argue that that's what was in the waiver was that this wasn't actually a thing. They were actually going to do like a treatment with this Aya Gasha blah, blah. I'm going to get, I'm going to end up looking that up like 20 times when this episode's <laughs> over. But, uh, you know, some could say that that's what that, that thing, the, the waiver was actually for was because they were going to give them something, but kids can't sign waivers. Right. So the whole thing just took me out of this being even realistic. Um, Kappa Kappa Kill and the KKK jokes, like mm. <laughs> Missy mm. totally echoed my thoughts. Oh my, with the additional thought of why. Like, why did we have to turn that into like a KKK joke? Like, it wasn't funny. Um, you know, I, you know, look at what Chappelle's show did with, you know, the first episode of the very first season, the, the, you know, Tyrone Biggums, the, the black white supremacist and how at the end they were able to throw out the N word and everybody was laughing. It's like, you can have difficult, you know, jokes about stuff like this, but it was lazy. And Missy's reaction was my reaction. It's just like, really? Why? It didn't serve the story. It just felt like a really dumb joke that yeah. I don't know. I just I think I'm I'm over the naming things and then it's spelling the KKK. Like it's well, look for at me, the it's Simpsons. just not it's not amusing to me anymore. The Simpsons actually did a funny KKK joke with Krusty the Clown. Um, they had like uh, he had like a special like like next week is going to be a special uh, like a flashback episode on the Krusty the Clown show. It's Krusty's comedy classics all in K. And he put, and they were at the Apollo when they did that. But didn't he react to it? Like, didn't he turn back yeah, and look like, at it and go, the comedy oh. classics. Oh, yeah, he did that. He realized. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's what made that successful. I mean, I know that's also a very old joke at this point, And mostly it's like, I just think the whole accidentally making things KKK is just at this point overplayed and old. But I think that would have been a redeeming factor if the sorority had somehow realized it was bad. But uh, yeah, I just, I didn't appreciate it. Um, While I did kind of appreciate going through all of the neuroses of the kids, it all just seemed a little too much. It was way too over the top. And for the most part, it was just lame and saw ish. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, gore flicks are just not my bag. Andrew's scene with the entrails was just a little too much for me. It definitely jumped the shark for me. I was done with gore at that point. I didn't want to see any more. That, too much. I love horror movies. I love action movies. I love, uh, you know, you know, blood and guts I don't have a problem with, but they have to be done right in animation. Look at South Park. You know, South Park, when they, I mean, they do plenty of blood and gut stuff, but the like the guts and stuff don't have as much detail and authenticity, you know, in terms of its look as Andrew's entrails did as they were being sucked out of his body. And and, and, it, it, and where was that note that I had on there? Uh, the gore in this episode was too much for a raunchy animated comedy, at least in South Park or Family Guy. The violence and gore is over-exaggerated. Here we get pretty detailed drawings of his internal organs and the violence is just pretty what you would expect to see in a saw there needed to be a lot more exaggeration to pull you into the joke and it just wasn't there for me yeah it to me it was just like i said too much gore and, and actually like it, it can be a pet peeve in the haunt community to go for too much gore i i guess 
I shouldn't have expected this to be a haunted house level of an episode um, because it turned into a saw level of an episode. And those are two totally different feelings. What the... And usually with these kinds of episodes, like especially when they're standalone, you get kind of the haunted housey thing. Like, again, we think of Simpsons. So the ones that like really nailed some of these Halloween specials, this one ultimately just was a, did not do it for me. And, and I think the big thing, and I, I, you know, I mentioned this very briefly in the positive section and said I wanted to talk about it here. I think the, the thing to me was that they had too much going on. They never really spent any significant amount of time with any of these characters to really do anything other than touch upon points that we already know. And, you know, sure, it led up to, uh, you know, the end of the episode, which ties into uh, the last episode for the season. So there is that. But, you know, did we need to see Jay and Lola in this episode? Did I mean, you could, it's possible you could have taken like one or two of the characters and removed them from the episode, given more time to the other characters and, you know, and, and maybe had a better result at that point. Because it's like you would go from Andrew's visions to Missy's visions to Nick's visions back to Andrew's visions and, you know, throwing some more Jesse at that point. And it just too much. We needed yeah. some variety. Yeah. <clears throat> it was, yeah. It was it was a lot of information. I think they honestly could have taken out, like, Andrew. Like, some of them felt a little forced. Uh, I honestly, probably, they could have done more with Nick that maybe would have made that a little bit better. But I think even him being rejected at Jesse, they could have peppered in some of that um, intro discussion that happened with Duke and Rick uh, to continue that story, like, in another episode, rather than going into this with the kind of penny whistle i did like the whole like they called it penny whistle from the movie if because of copyrights yeah <laughs> that yeah. was pretty clever <laughs> um but yeah i'm kind of with you uh that was all i had like as far as negatives strictly on like the whole haunted house thing uh jesse's therapist though i did say that i wanted to touch on that um there was just uh, okay so the quote is when the therapist is talking about you know practicing gratitude well, gratitude, like your pelvic floor, is a muscle that needs to be strengthened. In my case, a lot. And it's like, who the fuck would say that to a child in child Nobody. therapy? So yeah. it was just, it was another element that took me out. I, I don't, if they were going for hyperbole, I don't get it. Um, well, the thing I saw that really kind of frustrated me was that her talking to the therapist, the therapist was kind of dismissing, not kind of, the therapist was clearly dismissing her, kind of dismissing her, the level of what her anxiety and depression is at, and just doing the whole, if you just say things you're happy about, you will be happy, and totally, and totally kind of dismissing her, at which point Jesse rightfully so kind of ignored that. However, you go into the end of Jesse's vision and introducing to the gratitude, getting introduced to the gratitude and the gratitude tells her the same exact thing. And she, suddenly she's like, that's the greatest idea in the world. I'm going to do yeah. it. And, and maybe, maybe there are people that, you know, just need to hear it in a certain way in order, in order for it to hit. Maybe that's what's going on here, but I, it just didn't seem genuine. There wasn't no progression really for Jesse to kind of, you know, accept gratitudes, you know, you know, kind of dream with the therapist. Yeah. And then it also comes from remember gratitude that all happened with inward reflection with herself. Yeah, sure. She was under the influence of something, but it was still 
her within herself because that's something that's starting to get me with this show with some of the things that are bringing me out of the reality is mm -hmm. now I'm having a hard time when they are maybe an adult is coming off a certain way to them versus that is actually what they are doing. Um, so I don't know if the therapist was really like kind of being dismissive of Jesse's real feelings or if that's just how Jesse was interpreting how that therapist was speaking to her. Now, I, I think we're going to see her more. So, I, like, she's going to go back to this therapist, I think. I did like the part where the therapist asked her to come back and practice with her next week and that she was trying to drill that it's practice. And and I get your point that, you know, uh, that, you know, maybe we are seeing Jesse's side, but that needs to be communicated more to, uh, to the audience. Because if you're questioning it, then, yeah, then maybe more work could have been done to make things a little more clear. And there are bad therapists out there. Just a little side yeah. note. It is, it is something that is talked about a lot in, like, support communities, too. And it can be very defeating to, like, not feel a click with your therapist. But really, it should be no different than, like, I didn't like how that hairstylist cut my hair, so I'll see a different hairstylist. Like, granted, it's, it's kind of expensive and you're limited because insurance is not as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, America. <laughs> yeah, like how we do things. But now there's actually getting to be a little bit more and even affordable options, like there's a lot of online therapy now. So it kind of gives you more of, of options to choose from and trying to find somebody that speaks your language. I do right. think we're going to have a very classic thing where Jessie and her therapist are just not on the same wavelength. And I would be interested to see how that plays out. Unless, again, this was just Jessie projecting like internally, like how she was taking it versus how the therapist was actually speaking to her. Right, right, right. Yeah, with Jesse. Um, also, why would a child therapist see Coach Steve as a patient? And why would a man that has to see a child psychologist be hired by a school district? And why would a man who has the badminton who, what was, what did the mitten say to Jesse's? I mean, something just, just awful. And yeah, like, I, I don't remember what it was. I just, I appreciated the cameo of Badminton mm -hmm. more than I paid attention to what Jess, what he said to Jesse. But it was, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse's illusions of her therapist at the mental home, I just didn't care for because it, to me, it, obviously, it's she's going through her fears, but they hit, they were trying to hit the nail on the head of what they were try, trying to accomplish with her just a little too much, and it felt forced like like the example i brought up was in captain marvel near the end when she finally you know realized her full powers and then she had the big fight scene but then they played i'm just a girl from no doubt and it's just like come on you could have used yeah. any other song than that she's a girl she's fighting yay i get it yeah. and that's you know the kind of what I, what i felt from that scene um and also gratitude i found him annoying um, he get, he gave the same lesson, but um, you know, in I, I guess it makes sense with Zach Galifianakis. He's one of those comedians like a Seth Rogen or a Ricky Gervais that just passed me by. Um, I it, and I will say this uh, with all three of those, they unlike a Will Ferrell, I don't dislike them. I felt I feel like if I met a Zach Galifianakis, Seth Rogen, or Ricky Gervais, I'd have a wonderful time with them. I just don't like that kind of humor, um, you know, and just it's not for their kind of humor is just not for me. So, yeah, he I I love a good sad sack. And in a lot of his movies, he is just kind of this doofy little sad sack that's 
just so trying to be positive about everything and there's something about how he does it that just it, it works for him i don't always like when somebody kind of does the repeat character um but also in basket zach galifianakis was surprisingly good Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I, I think it got like a lot of bad feedback, especially because Louis C.K. was involved in it. But um, I, I've kind of appreciated his characters some. Like he's silly. Uh, I don't know. There's something I appreciate about his silliness. But I do also understand that he's not everybody's cup of tea. Like yeah. my brother doesn't like him, but I also kind of picked. I was like, is that because he looks like you, except successful? Um. <laughs> and hey, you said cup of tea this time, not me. So I know. Stealing from you because we hang out more. Um, I think the last negatives I've got a little bit on Loje and Andrew. Um, the whole teaching stranger danger always makes me cringe, especially since it's a pretty baseless concept that seems to be causing more damage than good. Um, it, it goes back to the we're being taught that everybody's bad guys if we don't know them. But how do you get to know them if everybody's a bad guy that's a stranger? And also, just like I'd mentioned statistics are out there they're not normally taken by strangers most kids that are in abusive situations or you know taken situations it's by friends and family um so i i just i hate seeing it uh granted they are obviously kind of making fun of it being like a little much but it's just a narrative that i'd love to see our culture actually challenge directly rather than vaguely making fun of it and maybe stop that um and then the other, other thing with the his, his uh, haunted house trip, I thought the weird reel of him dying over and over was just a bit over the top, um, a, particularly when they get more ridiculous, like him giving birth to a fowl and being shot like he's just a breeder horse. Like that one was weird. And then yeah. there was one where Lolo was the roadrunner kind of. It, it just got really crazy. Up until he was buried alive. Like, that part I actually thought was kind of like, okay, like, that's actually something that people have, like, night terrors about to have anxiety over death is being buried alive. So that part made sense. But a lot of the weird little death over death over death over death, like, was just a little too ridiculous for me. And the coffin thing, I'm glad you brought up the anxiety with that. I mean, it, it does feel like when you are under, you know, severe anxiety or having an anxiety attack, it does feel like everything is kind of closing in on you like that. So being in a coffin was a great visual uh, visual throwback. But, um, yeah, with, you know, Andrew's was probably the hallucinations that I wish wish were probably gone you know because we didn't really see his character that much in the show and all the points that we saw him in the with with the hallucinations were stuff that's already been touched upon in the past and it's i don't even if i'm not if i'm not mistaken i believe the next episode he's not really in so did they really need him having the hallucinations in this episode i'm gonna say no and you know again you take him out you give more time to the other people flesh some stuff out you're you're gonna have uh some better um better results that way and then also too he's what 13 or 14 and he wants to dress as the jack nicholson character from as good as it gets i don't think a teenager from 1997 when that movie came out would have dressed as jack nicholson from that movie and you know Mm, unless it's one of Marty's favorite movies, because it hits me off that that's the kind of household is you watch what your parents watch. So that one actually didn't throw me too far off. Um, but yeah, I I kind of felt like they forced this issue with death 
-hmm. so he could be included in this episode. Does that make sense? Because it was just kind of, it just happened, like, and it was thrown in at the end of the last episode. Um, And then, like, the mom just really lays it on thick again. Like, So could he come out of this without suddenly having any issues around death? Totally. But I felt like it was just kind of forced and plugged in and ultimately wasn't necessary for his character. Yeah, yeah. Why, why create a neuroses at the end of the previous episode and then immediately have it resolve in the next one? Exactly. And, you know, when Andrew's father uh, handing out stuff from his closet to kids in Halloween and then calling the cops, that was too sitcom-y. Um, I mean, did it get a laugh a little bit? Sure. But, you know, it just wasn't good. Just because it can elicit a laugh from me doesn't make it a good quality joke. And, right. you know, eh, I, I could have done without that. You can laugh at something being kind of dumb. Like, there's actually a lot of reasons people laugh. Um, and that's one of them is yeah. just almost rejecting a concept, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, oh, that's not like it, it did. It made me giggle. I, cause from him giving away like the, the stretched out t-shirt and like just the garbage that he gave <laughs> the kids and then like, and I already called the cops and closed the door. Like I knew no humans that ever actually did anything like that. So definitely it was just hyperbole to further drive home the point that Marty's kind of a dickhead. But I think we kind of already know that Marty's a dickhead, so I wasn't sure why it was necessary when I thought about it. I mean, we know this, but do we need sitcom tropes to see this? You know, I mean, because, you know, I, I can picture this happening on Friends. You know, somebody just handing, you know, just random stuff. And it just, it, it's not, it wasn't realistic. And, um, yeah, it, you know, cut that out and... Yeah, move on from there. <laughs> yeah, I think we could have cut Andrew and gone more, maybe even give Matthew's story a little bit more depth. or There was no depth there Nick. either. <laughs> I mean, well, Nick, I mean, they could have done more with that. But Matthew, I, again, I think there's some value there in that ultimately deciding like who he's going to be with. But yeah, Andrew is definitely an easy one that could have just not existed in this episode. And J-Lo, like, other than... Or LoJ, I called him J-Lo. LoJ, it's like, don't sue me. LoJ. <laughs> um, you know, they had that moment in the end. Uh, but otherwise, like, and that could have maybe been covered in another episode. That could have been, yeah, I mean, th- that could have been the start of the next episode because they, you know, Jay and Lola do have something that occurs. Um, yeah. They, You know, and maybe they could have had a storyline too to where Jay's nervous and talks to Nick and Andrew about, you know, how do I say I love you to to her and then have it go badly that for something else, just uh, have something that important be so flippantly done, you know, that I I would have to put that on the negative side, but uh, also too, there just wasn't that much Lola and Jay in the episode. Maybe they could have, you know, done without them as well and just found a way to, you know, a different way to get to the result that they wanted to get to. Yeah, because to me, all they did was remind us once again they come from a bad, seeming neglect situation. You know, you'd mentioned I had missed her being locked out of the house. The note that I had was my mom took my allowance to pay for her boyfriend's Invisalign. So, okay. I mean, it's just, you know, just those little moments where they're just kind of beating a dead horse. Like, I understand they're in a situation that, excuse me, that hasn't changed. It's mm-hmm. kind of hiccup burped. <laughs> Sorry about that. that you're taking all my tro- you're taking all my podcast tropes now. Uh, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> hip burp. I had a hip burp. <laughs> 
But anyway, and of course, like I said earlier, I had nothing to say negative about Missy. So I guess uh, ultimately Missy was the winner of this episode. I think she's a really great character. I'm really enjoying following her in entirety. They're doing a great job with her. And I really like that her hormone monster is Mona. Yeah. And that she's really good at shutting her out. So overall, that's where I'm at with it. They could have cut so much out of this and made it better, particularly the unnecessary copious amounts of detailed gore that just wasn't necessary. And I don't feel it served anything but being off-putting kind of felt like a shock value grab to me. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even, I mean, look at South Park again, the awesome episode at the end where um, Cartman is tied up, at, you know, in the awesome outfit in the military installation. And then there's a scientist who thinks that awesome is somehow a sentient robot. Um, and then the generals come in and the soldiers shoot the scientists. And then the scientist is trying to convince them that, you know, awesome is real, but, you know, is real like my, like my guts, like the, you know, like that. But, uh, you know, it, how they did it in that episode, again, was funny. It was exaggerated in the right way. And, and that's probably another thing, too. Like, the the throat-cutting scene with Missy's jeans to another version of Missy. Graphic! You know, you see Andrew's guts getting pulled out of his body. Graphic. And yes, there's graphic stuff on South Park all the time. But the South Park stuff is exaggerated the joke is in the exaggeration not you know just showing a killing and saying it's funny because you're watching a, a comedy ha 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 yeah um really i just think it was too much i think like if it had just been the the really graphic area with missy and i mean nicks i don't think really went that far but i just felt like andrews was a little too over the top that one even if it was only that one part that was cut out, I think that would have done a lot in not making me feel like they were going for gore porn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the negative side? Uh, that's really all I've got. Um, yeah, I, a little bit of, a lot of good, a lot of negative. No negative on Missy. That's just where I'm at with it, I guess. I really love Missy. <laughs> same here, same here. Now, overall... Good episode, bad episode, what say you? I am putting it somewhere in, it's disappointing. It was a disappointing episode. And that goes back to kind of the statement I made at the beginning. I'm a haunter. I work in the haunted house industry. I love Halloween. I usually love Halloween specials. Like, even going back to when I was a kid, like, anytime Buffy the Vampire Slayer did something special for Halloween... Loved it, loved it. This one just really missed a lot for me. Um, too gory. It couldn't possibly be a standalone, uh, even oh. if you wanted it to. Um, yeah, so it, it missed all of the markers for being a good episode of itself, and it missed all of the markers for being a good Halloween special, too. So I think this one has a solid you can Skip it, I guess, because I and again, and it goes back to did anything really get permanently resolved? Um, I guess the Missy story was worth it, but I don't know. I think they could have done a lot better. I'm in the same boat here. Um, I mean, again, with Big Mouth, like we've mentioned before, uh, the show is one big long story. So to, um, you know, judge it based on and just that one episode alone, you know, not the most fair thing in the world to do, but you do have to take that into account. Um, you know, it's like this is like one bad chapter in a really good book. 
there's there's some very good information and in, that was given in this episode that is going yeah. to be important for future episodes not just the last episode of the season but future seasons going forward um but you know much uh, it's like the last harry potter book do you remember like there's like at the middle part of the book when Harry is just like lost somewhere JK Rowling like spent like it felt like three or four chapters of just explaining Harry being lost and it was just like nothing really occurring the same thing over and it just dragged and I got the feeling with this episode too so again as far as the big picture of what they're trying to say watch it for that because there are some important things that are that will be touched upon later but you know if you're going to watch big mouth for the first time this should not be the first episode you watch on to because you're not going to get a good good impression of the show at all no unfortunately big mouth is one of those that if you're going to get into it you're going to want to start it from the beginning yes um because it's just it's not going to make sense for you there's no skipping you got to get through those rough character introduction things which i know we've talked about before on the regular show when shelby was on that with american tv we tend to really have this kind of weird introduction period that can be really clunky and awkward for a lot of people and this one you're just gonna have to eat your peas with that one because if you want it to make sense you gotta start from the beginning yeah all right and this is where we have to make a little interruption in the proceedings here. I know we're near the tail end of the show, but uh, during the original recording of this episode, near the end, um, recording like we do uh, in our homes, a smoke detector went off. So I'm sure you all did not want to hear that. Um, but you heard 99% of the content anyway. The only thing you're missing is what I'm going to tell you right now, and that's follow us on Patreon, support us on Patreon. If you see a link, retweet it. If you want to support us financially, we would appreciate it, and we would do our best to, um, you know, communicate with you going forward um, because we would consider you our producers at that point. Um, feel free also, if you're listening to this, go to the show description, click on the link tree link, and you'll be able to find out just where you can uh, not only find our show um, in other places. Obviously, if you're at that point, you found our show once, but um, if you want to listen to it on another device, for example. Um, but you'd also be able to find uh, where you can find us all on social media so uh with that another episode is in the books remember to tune in again next week as we wrap up season four of big mouth thank you all for listening subscribe to friends talking nerdy on itunes the google play music store as well as spotify remember to support friends talking nerdy on patreon goodbye darling